0: This is episode 29 with guests Adam Saffron and Thomas Schindler. Welcome back to the Future Intelligent Leadership Podcast. If you're interested in innovative wisdom and practical tools for leading in a complex, uncertain, and exponentially changing world, then this podcast is for you. Aloha, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is your host, Tyler Mongen. I'm the president and co-founder of Haku Global with a mission to develop more future intelligent leadership. Today's co-guests are Thomas Schindler and Adam Saffron. Thomas is the CEO and founder of Deloitte, developing custom software for clients and supporting clients in the product development and business model innovation process. Through his diverse work of projects, initiatives, Nonprofit and for-profit business, Thomas directs his focus and energy towards using technology to contribute towards making the planet a good place. Adam is a systems neuroscientist with diverse research experience that focuses on multi-scale perspectives of the brain ranging from cellular to computational levels. He is currently doing a postdoctoral research at the Kinsey Institute using neuroimaging methods to study emotion, behavioral drives, and social cognition. In this dialogue, we discuss how to be an adaptive, autonomous, and intentional leader. The important balance between chaos and order during change. The correlation of adjacent possibles, zones of proximal development, and production possibility frontiers. The difference between a day one and a day two organization. The role of predictive modeling and self-modeling functions of the brain for developing a future vision. The significance of congruency and authenticity for developing trust and how leadership can create a distortion field of reality to inspire collaboration towards a shared future vision. Let's listen. So Aloha, Adam and Thomas, thank you both for being here on this episode of the future intelligent leadership podcast. Really excited to have you today and for this dialogue. And as always, I want to ask this key question of how can leadership or leaders be more intelligent or smart about the future or futures, given this climate of complexity, uncertainty, and exponential change in the world? And I'd like to start with Thomas. If you could answer this from your perspective and your work.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me and us here. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. So. Um, to dive right in, I think I want to begin with um, my understanding of what leadership actually is. And I want to base that on the, on the work of uh, Ronald Heifetz um, in, in Harvard about adaptive leadership. Mm. And essentially what he says is there are two types of challenges in the world, and there are two types of leadership towards solving those challenges. And um, the one type of challenge is the technical challenge which is a known challenge or or even better that the path towards the solution is known and i would call that management and um the other one is um the the adaptive challenge so you 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 need to adapt a system of some sorts to a new behavior or to a new to a new environment and that is what he calls um adaptive leadership and i and um, this is the type of of Leadership. I'm referring to when I when I when I talk about leadership, and um, how I how I see this is um, maybe even best expressed from a little story uh, from the Bible. I'm um, uh, I don't, I do not i think I've never read that book, um, but uh, somebody pointed this story out to me, and um, it's the, it's the Moses story actually, um, and it's important because leadership is a team effort. Um, Moses was the one giving the vi- vision. And the vision is a crucial element, especially when there's uncertainty, um, that gives you the recipe um, towards where you want to go. And speaking of recipe, this is more or less like you, you you don't follow a recipe unless you have a picture in your mind of what you want to achieve. And too often, if you fall into the management type of leadership, um, you. Just follow the recipe without knowing what you're actually cooking. So, um, so the Moses approach is having a strong vision moving forward and sometimes even creating a vacuum that pulls people behind you. Mm. And then there's Miriam. She's pushing from behind. She's making sure everybody gets through. Mm. That's the second important part. And then there's Aaron and he's checking from the sidelines. He's, um, he's helping the people stay in in the in the movement Mm. and um so these these are the this is the kind of frame that i'm that i'm I'm thinking about Mm. uh when i when i think about leadership so you said two minutes i i think i was roughly two minutes so let's send it over to adam
0: great and adam you're from your perspective what does it mean for our leadership to be more smart or intelligent about the future
2: So, from my perspective, I would say that the principles of intelligent leadership into the future um, for an organization would be the same as for individual sovereignty and autonomy. And of these capacities, which would be particularly important, the ones that come to mind as foremost would be mindfulness, uh, flexibility, intentionality, and criticality. Um, i view these as all being sort of related constructs um different ways of describing basically just fundamental capacity of being able to direct your attention flexibly and intentionally with meta-awareness basically consciousness consistent consciousness this is the most important uh, property an individual can have for being sovereign and autonomous and i think for an, an organization as well. Great. And kind of
0: following up now on, on these initial points um, for you, Thomas, you know, with this model that you're kind of talking about of leadership and the uh, the Moses model, right? The Moses model, we call it, um, oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. That's this is the picture. Yeah. 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 Um, you know um, how, what's like uh, some, you know, cause I know you've done some foresight work, you know, envisioning mm-hmm. futures we did together um, on a yeah. project and how, how do you use that model within this concept of like foresight and, um, and futures?
1: Well, <clears throat> um, as I as I said, um, you need you need a picture of um, where you wanna where you wanna head. Mm-hmm. And I wanna I wanna wanna tie that to 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 what what Adam said about yeah. um, sovereignty and and um, autonomy. I think that is that is crucial that is actually very very fundamental and um, because if you if you want to move into a future and you by definition have to change the current mode modus operandi the the, the, the world on the way there mm. you have to be stable as you move so you have to be sovereign and autonomous while you're still embedded in the system and um, to in order to do that you need to be able to communicate um the direction and the and the objective of that sometimes hard um, path through the unknown mm-hmm. and um bringing creating a space in which people, um, that, that might be pulled into, into the vacuum that you're creating as you move into that unknown future um, is probably the hardest part about this. But because that, that, that vacuum needs to be something that inspires people that they want to, that they see a role for themselves that they can actually fill um, and that they want to fill. And, um, and balancing that um between your own sovereignty which it allows you to detach from from reality and, and create a huge reality distortion field um which is crucial if you want to do this but but at the same time um be could control that well enough so that that's uh, people can can actually follow i think that's um that's the hardest part about about striking this balance
0: any thoughts on that, Adam? And also it would be great to hear a little bit too about um, how this, this, this thinking here of like autonomy, sovereignty, consciousness, um, you know, changing direction and vision also fits into uh, your work with like neuroscience and consciousness science. Mm.
2: Um, so I guess with relation to uh, consciousness and um, the way I've been in so I've, I've recently proposed a theory I call Integrated World Modeling Theory, where I basically try to understand consciousness by bringing together um, basically as many different perspectives as I can, and then finding what's in common across them, cross-referencing across these different perspectives. And the conclusion I came to is that um, consciousness is what it is like to um, have a model of the world and, and your self and your relation to it. And the function of it would be to basically work as a self-realizing prediction. It seems that um, goal-orientedness in brain and mind operates by this principle of um, basically minimizing error with respect to your predictions. And so you can think of consciousness as the dominant prediction of your mind, the the main one. And to speak, and so. This really speaks to what Thomas is saying, and that um, having this vision, um, this conscious vision, to the extent that you can hold this stably in mind, that will be what will be exerting the um, the control energy, the influence over you. And mm-hmm. to the extent this is a shared vision, mm-hmm. it will be a collective influence um, and a, a basis for coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the balance that that Thomas is talking about, also, um, I'm really seeing that in in terms of uh, speaking to, I guess, like mindfulness and criticality. And and so this criticality notion uh, that um, I think about, which is basically, uh, I think his uh, Peter Bach, I I think around 81 or 83 came up with this idea of uh, complex adaptive systems seem to be poised at this balance point between um, order and chaos. Uh, not too much order, not too much chaos. but you want both. And the idea is you want enough um, uh, chaos, enough uh, novelty variability that you have um, uh, diversity to pull from. but you want enough order that you can your adaptations can accumulate as you're selecting from this repertoire of diversity. So this uh, place of being uh, poised at the edge of chaos, this, this balancing point, this continuous return, uh, this is basically how I interpret mindfulness in a way, as this return to this meta-stable, flexible place. Mm-hmm. And I think if that is how one is relating to one's consciousness, this could potentially provide that balance that Thomas is talking about, where are not uh, overwhelming with a singular vision and this reality distortion field, but you're also you can guide if you need to but also be collaborative also be open there, there's room for many perspectives to come together so uh yeah those are some thoughts <laughs> thomas you have some follow-up thoughts from that
1: so I, what you what you just said about um this this intricate balance between chaos and order um this is something that's that's I find in almost any any system I look at, whether that's my own being or the wider world and organization. Um, and it's if you look at it a, at the at a, at a organization perspective, it's um, you can notice, um, I think Jeff Bezos calls these day one and day two organizations, day one being, little bit closer to chaos and day two a little bit closer to crystallizing Mm. um meaning they cannot they cannot reshape themselves anymore they cannot adapt anymore and um he was he was fighting for the for the for the culture to be day one for a long long time and um and over the last couple of years you could notice that there was some crystallization happening and Mm. um him stepping down there um, is, a, is a total uh, logical um, uh, uh, um, next step for him because now now it can be managed until it dies um, And um, he has to take lead on something else because he's a leader and he's, he's not he's not a manager. Um, and so but, but what what does that what does that mean? Uh, when I want. I want to want to tie that a little bit. What you said, Adam, about uh, the chaos and the uh, multiplicity that you that you try to integrate um, um, into and balance on your on your in your own consciousness about the future and the world. So there's this there's this beautiful idea by uh, Stuart Kaufman, It's called uh, the adaptive. Um, the theory of the of, of the adjacent possible um and the for those who don't know um a good way to 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 think about this is uh, if you imagine taking two lego bricks and these lego bricks are your current are the reality and then you put two bricks together and you create the third one and that third one that is now a new form of a brick was, in the adjacent possible in the space of the adjacent possible before. So there's a lot of things and some people call it the shadow of the future, because there's a lot of things already possible in that, in that space and, and picking those things from the adjacent possible, putting them together into a coherent form towards building a shared future, um, it's very similar to what what um you were you were saying around consciousness i think
2: adam i, I mean I, I think similar but i think you're also pointing out something uh crucially extra that was uh i think missing from my description and that's this um the dynamic nature of the balance the fact that it, it's always kind of moving and that there's no singular like Balance point that you're just teetering over, but rather there might be some points where you need more chaos and some points where you need more order based on the situation, both within and without. And you know, you could think of like uh, brains and minds; they're constantly the different chemicals being released, the different states you're entering into. Like nature would be operating by these principles, changing your physiology, changing the uh, the nature of your uh, of your biological functioning to try to find where you should be what, what what the right mixture could be of um flexibility or of plasticity and stability the hmm yeah the, this this constant i guess moving around there's no singular fixed point but a, a constant exploration a constant trying out of different things um that would be uh really crucial for any adaptive system. And, and, and you're pointing out um, Kaufman's work and, and, and the the universality of these principles, so like with Kaufman's work, to, f- to find yourself in the zone of the, of the adjacent possible, this uh, or in, in developmental terms, we might call this like um, the developmentalist Vygotsky would say like um, the zone of proximal development where like you can actually get the most learning. But you're talking about like with evolution, this is the place where the new is discovered. Or in economics, we might talk about like the production possibility frontier. But the idea is like, you want to be in this range where you're at the limits, where you're close to the edge, where you can keep growing, where you can keep discovering the new. But, um, how do you, how do you get there and how do you keep from falling over? That's, it's, it needs to be this, this continual, um, motion, this continual shifting and, and flexible exploration. And I guess one more thought that's coming to mind. Uh, and kind of mindfulness entering in once again, which is in the examples you were uh, giving of like these biblical stories, um, there's this this challenge of facing the unknown that um, as this vision you're living into it, um, it, it can be frightening. The the, the, the new uh, uncertainty in, in, in these principles of brain functioning uh, that I've been studying, uh, it seems that there's a sense in which most of, maybe the, the, the dominant principle of mind is uncertainty minimization, trying to uh, get the best grip on the world, the, the the best purchase on what's going on. But so as you're exploring the new, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. And so this ability to basically uh, titrate your engagement, like nuance it, uh, to um, both for yourself and others, that's going to be really crucial for any kind of adaptiveness. And as you're saying, I think these are probably universal principles for any complex adaptive system, whether we're talking about uh, a bacteria, a person or an organization. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm I'm curious, kind of following up all of this is like, you know, just making it a little more practical for people too. like, you know, when we have these, you know, because leaders want to have that vision, like in an ideal situation, they have the vision, they mobilize their people, it it becomes a reality, right. Um, But that's just not how it works. And it seems like now, Uh, it's even more challenging, maybe, maybe it's not, but it just maybe has that feeling that it's just like more life is more uncertain and more complex. And, Mm. um, it's harder to hold that vision and mobilize the people. It's hard even to find out what the vision is, right. Um, especially within this balance of the chaos and order and, um, curious, like what, what are some practical ways that leaders can, can think about either, uh, you know, the idea of vision itself or holding a vision or even, you know, when to, um, not like not fully give up on a vision, but when to adapt to a new vision.
1: Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think the first and crucially important element is, um, to really understand who you are answering to, hmm. um, to, to see whether you actually have the possibility of a vision. Hmm. So if you, if you are the CEO of a company, that you didn't found, that's maybe even a public company. The, your, your, your vision usually cannot be further out than a quarter of a year and, um, and the objective or the fitness function for your vision is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so first you have to really understand who you're answering to. And if you are in the beautiful and luxur- luxurious position that, um, let's say, you're answering to the, the, the needs of your great grandchildren, okay, so, and, and everybody's great grandchildren, you're truly building something for the future, then. In my experience, it is absolutely. It is actually very easy <laughs> to come, come up with a, with a understanding of how you want your great grandchildren to live. You can you can ask a set of questions. That there are that's that's touch. Three hundred and sixty degrees of what um, the human condition is roughly about, and and then i uh, in the in the in and you can go go through several processes of, of doing that in, in a group process with more coherence etc and then break it down into what is missing and backcast and build the infrastructure that's missing and if you want to get some inspiration and courage about um, that this could look strange or sound strange Then Google Winston Churchill, 50 years hence, because in 1932, the guy sat down to write an essay called 50 years hence describing how he saw the world in 82. And he had some really weird pictures, but in these weird pictures, he described things like gene editing, solar energy, vertical farming, all in 1932. Mm. And, so he had the guts to do that. Um, and I think that's that's the most important part. And that ties back into um where Adam started. Um you need you need the guts and you only have to can develop these when you when you're a sovereign.
0: And Adam, following up on that, it'd be also interesting to hear uh any any insights you might have gained. Um Related this topic on the like how the brain works and um, resilience and adaptability and
2: before going to the brain, uh, yeah. Um, I think like again, I, I I think like nuancing what I said initially. I think Thomas is bringing up some crucial points here, which is so, like I was mentioning like intentionality, mm-hmm. sort of thinking in like um uh, like, like value grounding. And the kind of Viktor Frankl sense of like having a—he a, uh, quotes as like, um, "He who has a why can survive almost any how." And thinking of this capacity for perseverance for steering the future. Mm. But uh, the question is, well, how much steering and of what kinds and when do you need to pivot? And so it's not just a function. And so it's going to be a function of you know, your your goal hierarchy, your your values, the depth of the values, but also what's the opportunity? What is the situation you're dealing with? Hmm. And that's going to be crucial for how much either you want to um, persevere with respect to a given plan, or maybe relax those assumptions and then uh, choose a different one based on what actually is realizable within this possibility product uh, within this possibility production frontier or this like uh, uh, the, the adjacent possible. Hmm. And so it seems that uh, to kind of bring it back to the brain. Um, this, in a way, would be the function of the different uh, neuromodulator systems or the value signals of the brain, mm-hmm. which are existing in this kind of feedback relationship to the ongoing dynamics. And so, as the brain is basically uh, predictively modeling itself and in, in the present, as it's what it thinks is going to happen in the future, and what it thinks in the, uh, what it thinks just happened, and reinterpreting and interpreting. Um, there's gonna be different degrees of uh, fit with relation to your uh, your values, your desires, the attractive mm-hmm. states that you're steering towards. And so these um, basically these, these uh, brain chemicals like, like dopamine, like norepinephrine, serotonin, they're basically being modulated based on these different kinds of error with respect to your plans, with respect to your action. And they're then adjusting you basically saying, should I pivot or not? You know, should I energize this action? Is it you know striking while the iron's hot, or maybe now is not the time? Should I inhibit action? So you know, dopamine increasing, dopamine decreasing, um, things of this kind. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess this might not. One more thing that's come to mind that might not be either here or there, (laughs) but I would like to add to mindfulness. I guess uh, compassion (laughs) Mm -hmm. might be one one of the keyest things for. basically both individual sovereignty and co-sovereignty. And that if you have to do these pivots, there's gonna be uh, some pain. There's gonna be some pain at having to, mm. um, with relationship to your goals, not it's gonna be a, a, a discomfort. And that uh, the ability to uh, provide comfort to yourself, to accept what's going on in those moments to and, and for others, that's gonna be crucial for doing the necessary pivoting that's going to happen in doing any sort of complex plan, which is most of our plans in a, you know, a world of uncertainty and complexity. That's great. Yeah. The compassion component is really important. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> since you were um, describing the brain, um, it, it, it doesn't really hurt. This adjustment process of the brain doesn't really, isn't painful. And it's is probably not painful because it happens on a continuous basis. So this this constant adjustment um, is a, is a crucial element of the of the horizon setting element. Mm-hmm. So if you have a vision and then this you set this vision in stone, that's a problem. It's mm-hmm. just as much a problem as as setting yourself in the current reality. So you have to um, reevaluate your horizon on, on a continuous basis and and readjust. And if you do that often enough. Like Intel, for example, in the '90s already did that um, every six months, um, a whole bunch of scenarios, and then then um, creating coherence between them and 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 continuing like that. Um, then this is a continuous process, and and if you and along with that uh, develop signaling functions like uh, um, something like a, a dopamine. Um, uh, inside of your organization that that can that can sense which of these um, potential horizons is 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 creates more resonance um, then it is much much easier and less painful as you continuously adapt to that future.
2: yeah, yeah I actually think that's crucial and that like it need not be painful. like if you're actually, um, well calibrated with respect to your plans. If you're actually adjusting and considering what is timely, what's actionable, and you have this broader perspective and you're p- continuously adapting and pivoting based on this, uh, you can have basically a trust that y- you're doing the right thing. And so it, 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 uh, uh, we need not even uh, evoke, invoke compassion. We can just be flowing <laughs> and winning in theory mm-hmm. if you like, uh, are occupying like the right stance the right dynamic stance hmm. it's well, a I haven't achieved this in my personal life but I <laughs> believe this is possible yeah degrees
0: hmm. that is interesting because in, in in a lot of the work I've looked at you know trust is a is, is such a key component you know of, of of even getting people to sit down in the same room and talk and communicate and listen to each other you know and also collaborate and so on but it seems that a lot of times leaders, have to work within the realm, or not have to, but they have worked within the realm of like compliance. Um, you know, and getting people to do the things they want them to do because that trust is sometimes lacking or not strong enough. Uh, and compassion seems to be another side that could help. You know, uh, give them another perspective on, you know, where they um, where they could look to instead of the compliance component. They can look at the compassion side. But I think, like you're saying, is the trust if the trust is there. Uh, that could be more significant you know um, and stuff could just happen from that space
1: but but yep. but i'd like to i'd like to briefly look into where that trust comes from yeah it might come from the leader being congruent with the objective
2: mm-hmm.
1: and people have a strong sense for whether you're authentic in that or not mm. and um so if 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 you're uh, if you as a leader are mistrusted by your people, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Probably you're not congruent with your objective and, or with the objective you're communicating. So, so um, it is the responsibility of the leader to actually live that future that you want to move towards. Adam.
2: Mm. I'm glad that trust came up uh, and this importance of consistency and fit because um, I guess you would say uh, honesty um, and also uh, and and the courage required for consistent honesty, both with yourself and others. Mm. Like in these models of um, these, these uh, models of brain and mind, you know, it, it's it's You're thinking of brains as entailing these, uh, uh, belief webs for modeling the world. Yeah. And if you insert, um, deception of any kind, or if you're, if you're not being fully honest, you, you you've basically injected, um, uh, you've compromised the whole system and, and, and it's fundamentally weakening. And this ability to, uh, You, if you're thinking of minds as these belief engines, you never wanna do anything that's punishing information. And, and so this um, consistent honesty and the courage to be honest is actually just really a, an essential component overall of base, basic organismic functioning and the information processing required to be an adaptive uh, agent in the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you
0: got some follow-up thoughts on
1: that? I think what what came up for me um, was that leadership is hard. (laughs) It's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of all the things um, Adam Adam said, right? Um, You have to do things so right on so many levels. Mm. um and the the best leaders or the most the leaders I most admire that I have personally met in my life they are very, very grounded in themselves and aligned with their their objectives with what what they represent in the world. so the, so it's very easy for them not to be wrong because it's so congruent. They, they have found a way, and we were talking about feedback cycles earlier, um, they found a way of using their, to, to use Daniel Kahneman language, to, to, to recode system one with system two. They, they, they somehow found a way to um, reprogram the heuristics that they use for quick decision-making to be congruent with the contents of their, their, their system, Mm. system two, and that's being um, absolutely in line with their communicated overall objective and goal. And, and, and that is hard work. That is consciousness work, Mm. but then you cannot go wrong anymore because all decisions, even the most intuitive fast decision you make Will always be in line with with what you actually want to achieve.
2: Hmm.
0: No, I like that. I like that that idea a lot. It seems to, and I could be wrong, but it seems to hint back to what Adam was saying about the brain kind of being this uh, predictive model of the self, right? Hmm. It's constantly trying to to reproduce the self and predict what the self will do and to keep it congruent, right, constantly. Hmm. And then also back to what Thomas said at the beginning about vision and having that solid vision. And if you have those, both of those really um intact, you know, that strong understanding of self, the strong vision, and then all your decisions, your communication all aligns with that. Um, you know, it it is like I guess it, it plays to that idea of like the Steve Jobs distortion field kind of thing, right? It's like you bring people into your world because your world is so strong, right? Exactly.
1: And 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 and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the yeah. distortion is only a distortion from the outside in that case yes from the inside from from the inside of being Steve Jobs or, or somebody else with a strong distortion field this is normal this mm. is the reality and and only then can you actually lead there
0: mm.
2: Thought, thoughts on that Adam <laughs> um so I'm thinking of uh, the mind as like a, giant predictive modeling engine it tries to do the prediction as uh, cheaply and efficiently as it can mm. and so it'll tend to handle things at the, at the the lowest most immediate level it can when it can mm. and so whatever um and, and you would think of basically consciousness as being this higher level set of predictions um the that but also um more uh, at least temporarily stable and powerful. Mm. And so what would happen is like, so, so these, and, and tends to be associated with more system two processes, mm. but then whatever is in system two, that's going to then be shaping system one. And so if there's this inconsistency, this lack of coherence between um, this, this lack of, uh, you would say basically value grounding, um, and then the, the inconsistency with respect to that, Hmm. then you might find yourself basically programming up your uh system uh, one in ways that would cause internal dissonance that would cause prediction error that would cause you to be at purpose and cross-purpose and you would be basically be um fundamentally weakening your uh the the predictive engine it's going to have to Hmm. deal with this internal chaos and this is going to cause a lack of harmony that you're going to feel and others are going to detect and so Charisma, um, the distortion field that will be compromised mm. um, from a lack of integrity, and so there's a sense that there that the uh, uh, fortuitous thing that basically integrity might be the strongest thing of all, because it might lead to the mo- the greatest inner like inner harmony, consistency, the greatest basically power, and that this w- this individual sovereignty um, grounded in values. Would then be something that other people could coordinate around, and it tends to be the case that most uh, values that uh, are sustainably, consistently realizable, are going to be those that will be uh, mutualistic. They'll be like involving others. They'll be other concerning. They they can't, and so um, there's a sense that, um, well, you know, someone could just be uh, pushing forward in a kind of blind way. With their agenda, um, it might be the case that the 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 easiest path to integrity, not easy at all—taking discipline and courage. But the easiest path might be ethical. It might be just just to consistently ground yourself in a in a um, both self and other con- concerning and caring value system. And this might end up being the, just the strongest frame, the strongest base to move from. Uh, Hopefully. <laughs> what
1: I'm what I'm hearing in in what you what you just said is that there's some sort of triangulation necessary so that there's, there's a um, triangle between system one system two and a, a publicly known f- fitness function or why the goal an objective and and publicly known in order to be um, uh, um, controlled for by, by everybody, by the public. So you announce that this is this is your why, and then you then you constantly reevaluate your system one and system two to be aligned with each other and towards that um, that fitness function, and within that triangulation you're stable. Whereas in, in contrast to that, if you if you don't have that outside reference point, um, you can. You can try and 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 um, get your system one and system two aligned, but you um, there's there's no way to con- control for whether that's a healthy alignment, mm-hmm. in what direction that alignment um, goes, and nobody can can actually have any um, perspective into this um, and and uh, this. Yeah,
0: I like that. That's a I like how that kind of brings a lot of it together right there. I think it's a good place to kind of wrap up too. Um, And so what I'd like to do, first of all, is just give you all um, an opportunity to share your final thoughts. Like to start with Adam, what are your final thoughts after all this dialogue? Mm,
2: um, I guess my final thoughts would be that in trying to uh, navigate an uncertain world, um, both individually and as teams, um, it seems that, you know, uh, even more before we began this conversation, I'm thinking it's the same principles. It's mindfulness, flexibility, compassion, integrity. These are the strongest things you can do to be a adaptive goal-seeking system, whether you're um, an individual person or a group. and um, yeah, those would
1: be my thoughts. <laughs> and Thomas. So first of all, I, I really like the the spaces that happened between um, all the thoughts um, in, in in the last half hour. There's mm. uh, there's there's a lot of stuff to explore in there. But I think we were also very very uh, trying to be very serious about all of this. I think <laughs> what we what we shouldn't forget is that. Um, we should be playful about this, um, the best, the best technology we have to explore unknown futures is play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we never know what we are going to lose or win as we step into the uncertain. And the best way to find that out is by playing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so taking it less seriously, slightly less seriously, um, engaging more in an infinite game than stacking finite games on top of each other. And um, I think that, that that could make things more fun, more free, and, um, and probably even more, more easy to build a good future in some way.
0: I like that. And as always, I like to ask this final question. Might be the toughest one we've had all day. What is one word that you would like to leave for uh, more future intelligent leadership? Adam.
2: Curiosity, courage, playfulness.
0: <laughs> and Thomas.
2: Um,
1: love.
0: Well, thank you, Thomas and Adam, for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your insights and wisdom, and I hope to see you all again in the future. Thank you for joining us today on the Flowcast. To get a summary of today's dialogue, find out more about today's guests, listen to previous episodes, or discover more about Haku Global's neuroscience-based futures intelligent leadership programs or customized strategic foresight and innovation sprints, visit us at www.haku.global. At Haku Global, we believe it is time for more futures intelligent leadership. The future is something we need to think more intelligently and feel more deeply about so we can collaborate to discover today's solutions for future problems. If you are in a leadership role and need support or training to scale futures intelligence across your organization, then contact us at Haku Global. This is your host, Tyler Mongan, and until next time, have a preferred and conscious future. Aloha.